What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here, back with another episode of the Thrive Online Podcast. I just flew in back from Las Vegas, and I'm sitting here with my lovely wife, Mrs. Erin Finley, and I'm super stoked for this conversation because at this point in our life, we like to make decisions based on data because what gets measured gets managed. And in our life, rather than letting our in-the-moment feelings and emotions control our actions, we try to take a step back, analyze the data, and then make a decision based on all factors. So the first question that I have to start with today for Aaron is why do people tend to lead with their emotions when they should be looking more at data-driven decisions? Hmm. I think naturally people want to act on instinct and be impulsive, but I think it's it takes effort and time and discipline to collect data on whatever type of decision you're making in life and actually sit down and think about it. And so it's not always the easiest path, but I think once you have a habit of doing that in areas of your life, uh, you start to realize that there's really no other way. I mean, following your heart is different, but acting on impulse versus taking time to carefully think through a scenario and figure out what information you have available to you and then making the best next step after that for your circumstances is the way to go. And I think it's interesting because for me, I'm somebody that like has been that way for a long time and I'm noticing now in my life that I almost analyze to a fault and it takes me longer to make decisions. But I will say I, I've been trying to find the good in that and for the most part, I, I'm happy with the fact that I do take a step back to look at all the information as it relates to my health, my financial well-being, um, my fitness, my life in general overall, I try to really think about, okay, when I'm looking to make a change, what information do I have to help me figure out what the right next thing to do is if I'm not seeing progress or I'm not accomplishing what I'm trying to accomplish. So even though I tend to err to the side of information overload and wanting more and more information and someone to tell me what to do sometimes, um, it's always good to be aware of the metrics that you want to manage. What I think people fail to realize is that everyday life is just data. It's just feedback. If you make one decision, there's going to be an outcome. And if you make another decision, there's going to be an outcome. Yeah. So like, one of my favorite quotes is the sooner you make a choice, the sooner you can make an adjustment. So I think people like me sometimes procrastinate because you're ultimately scared of making the quote unquote wrong choice. But life, to your point, is all about just taking a step and then realizing was that the right step or was it the wrong step for that 
particular thing and then adjusting. So the sooner you can make those adjustments based on the data that you get back from whatever action you took, the more the better you're going to be at taking next actions. So, for example, in a business, like you might have to make a decision, do I hire this person or not? Well, you could sit there forever and wait for all the candidates to come through and think, well, maybe you'll find somebody that checks every box that you're looking for. Or if you're on a time crunch and you feel like the person is good enough for your needs, you could hire them and then realize real quickly what's going on. So I think in general, the sooner you make choices and not delay that next step, the sooner you can get the feedback. But that is what helps you make quicker decisions. So you're talking about making decisions sooner or quicker and a more what I would say, advised situation, meaning if you are talking about hiring somebody, how do you build a process or a system that allows you to make a decision on that yeah. person faster? So great example in my world is if you're hiring a contractor, instead of going through this elaborate interview process, what type of work are they gonna be doing? Give them a project yep. first, where they're not, you don't even onboard them and say, hey, I'm going to give you this project and don't do this for free. Like I've seen companies do this where it's like they force people to do this free test or free. Yeah, I did that once. Yeah, you've done that before, I spent right? like so many hours like, doing this full <laughs> At least project. offer a stipend to like, complete this. So like, hey, if you complete this, uh, we will give you a stipend for your time for completing this. You're going to get better candidates that way. But it's also going to see idea. how that person works within the spectrum that you want them to work in. So like that data right there would help you decide quicker. But where else in life have has data played an important role for you specifically? Yeah, like right now the data that I'm really interested in as it relates to like longevity is my sleep data, my heart rate variability, heart rate. So everything that I track with the Whoop um, I've been tracking it over a year and a half now. And to me, it's been really important because it's helping me make better decisions around the type of situations that I put myself in as it relates to stress. So when I work out, when I am have a long week at work, when I decide to do something that's going to take a lot of energy from me, all of that. All the information that I collect on my recovery helps me figure out the right thing to do for my overall well-being and stress load um, for certain situations like that. So practical example. example is I used to run a lot more often. And when I would run, I would run pretty intensely. Like I would, you know, try to get it. I guess every time I ran, I would try to be as fast as what I would consider like my goal racing pace, which is as not the way to run. But I was running to the point where once I saw all of my whoop data, how much of a strain that that put on my heart rate and heart cardiovascular system, I realized, okay, that's not, that's not going to be a sustainable approach. So me building up endurance in other ways is better to get me to whatever running goal I might have versus putting so much tax on my body and the reason why I even care about this is because for me 
everyone should care about this. Everyone should be looking to optimize the amount of strain that they put on themselves in stressful situations or in their workouts because workouts is stress. But for me, it's because I actually do have a condition where I need to make sure that I'm not putting extra stress on my heart. So, you know, I don't want to prematurely have a heart attack one day. It runs in my family. But I can do something about that now by collecting the data on my everyday actions so that I can make better decisions for my future. So I'm always thinking my future health, I want to be able to run, walk, move, do all the things until late in my life. So I can use data that I collect now to make sure that what I do today is going to help me 10 years from now. So for me, I, I don't know about you. I know you track with Aura and Whoop. So how has that kind of impacted your behaviors? Yeah, I think it's the biggest thing is, and this is what I think the average person would connect more with the average person is like you and I are both athletes. So that, that ties into another reason why we do it is when you're an athlete, like consistency wins, meaning it's not necessarily the highest output every day that wins the race. It's how can I train seven days a week at a pretty high velocity and then recover quicker so that I get in more days than the other person. And there's a lot of people out there that will do a constant up and down, kind of like the stock market, and they'll go up, they'll train real hard, and then they'll burn out, and then it costs them a month because they either got injured or they just lost focus or they mentally can't keep up. It's not sustainable, like you were saying. Yeah. So for me, it's more of about creating a sustainable approach where I understand my body, where a great example is... Well, how are you using the data to, to just, create? I'll get there. Like, a great example is over the weekend, I was just in Vegas, and I got minimal sleep. Um, and I've learned to tell the difference between, like, my body is stressed because of lack of street sleep and my body is stressed because of overexertions from workouts. So if I'm lacking sleep, going for an easier workout rather than sitting and doing nothing is actually recommended for myself personally because if I go exert myself a little bit, I get actual better sleep that night versus if I'm overexerted because of my workout. Like say I get great sleep, but both the aura and the whoop is telling me my recovers, recovery is rather low. That means that like my muscular system I, and my exo exoskeletal system is still recovering and that I should probably either not work out that day or just do mobility and stretching. So for me, it's more about understanding my body so that I can consistently train um, because it's a, a big mental factor for me. If I don't get outside and I don't move, I fail in other areas of my life. So my relationships, my business, I don't feel as sharp and I don't feel as focused and it affects my everyday life. And that's where connecting to the average person, when we're talking about workouts and you're talking about your heart, like take, for example, like my parents, it's the data for them is less about how we're training hard and more about for them, like you said, catching something prior to going to the doctor once a year and they're like, oh shit, you have this disease or this illness where these new technologies could potentially show you those signs prior and then you can make adjustments just like you were talking earlier. So for me, like a great example of adjusting is 
I didn't really realize that like my stomach was getting so messed up because I would eat closer to bedtime and then I wouldn't fully digest my food and then I'd get, I'd lack sleep and then I'd wake up the next day inflamed and then my digestion was off. But I realized that like if I go to bed at a certain time and then I eat four or five hours prior to that, I lead enough time for my body to start digesting its food, my heart rate drops, my temperature drops, and then the next day I feel better, I'm less inflamed, which then I can get in my consistent routine, I feel sharper, like it's just a snowball effect for my life. Now, I don't wanna just make this podcast about fitness, because we talk about that side a lot, like there's a lot of other areas where data is very important, and it's financial, it's, with your relationships, it's, it's everywhere in our life. And every step that we take when we walk outside the front door, again, like I mentioned, is feedback. So where else? And it doesn't just have, it doesn't even have to be right now. It's like, where in your life? Like, yeah, I think, why did you make a decision to go to the college that you made a decision to go to? I think why what, do you have your job? Like, these are the decisions that everyone's making on a on a daily basis and how should they go about that it's interesting because i think when you started this off you said like you know most people act out of emotion well emotions are data like how we feel is data keep flipping how i say data 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 <laughs> i don't know how, it sounds I'm, weird I'm, as when, i keep saying when i post it. <laughs> this i'm literally going to make a story like how do you say data or is it data but you yeah. make a you make a good point and so the thing is I, I read something that i wrote in my notes i was on a plane today and i, I was reading some of the notes i wrote um, in Pat in previous um, weeks, days, months. And one of the things I wrote was um, was about emotion. It was, shit, what did I write? It was, don't, don't take action on your emotion. Something about like not taking action on them, just taking reflection on them. So instead of like yeah. immediately taking an action based on your emotion, it's like say you're angry. Instead of like acting that out externally, like, reflect and analyze why sure why are you angry i think uh the action is a separate conversation because we could talk about how you use data to take action but i think what i'm saying is what i was about to say is that there's a difference between like acting on impulse because you feel a certain way and then actually taking that feeling and reflecting like you said on what is that even telling me that's data and then the whole process of thinking about what it's telling you is using data to take that action so waiting to take the action by thinking about why am i feeling like this and maybe it's journaling every time you feel a so now you're way. getting into the modality of where i think what trips a lot of people up is we stay in our own brains too much rather than like getting it outside of us, meaning like you're talking about a like a journal is a database. So right. instead of just holding it all in, it's like creating a database for that data yeah, that you're and, reflecting on. And I like this conversation because when we first started talking about it, my mind immediately goes to like numbers, quantitative data. And yeah, like the conversation about how we're using data for our health with our blood work and whoop and everything, that certainly is quantitative data. So we can see trends over time. But there's so much valid validity in collecting qualitative data too around how we feel when we hang out with certain people, mm. how certain relationships make you feel, how certain places make you feel. And it's not just feeling, but it could be like intangible data as well. Just anything that, you know, you can track because of how certain 
patterns have happened after certain actions. So I think it can be anything as like that versus all the way down to the numbers game, which which is what I think the average person thinks about when you think about data-driven decisions. Well, I think because the average person thinks in that, and I, I want to be clear here, like when we say average, I don't, I don't mean it as a demeaning thing. I'm just saying like, Every generally, day, generally, generally yeah. yeah, like gen generally people, because whoever you are listening to this, as long as you're happy, like that's all that matters. So we're saying the word average is just like generally what we've seen, what we've reflected on in the data we've collected is that when I talk numbers to people and especially in business, it's a lot, it scares a lot of people. When we talk data and making data driven decisions, it's stressful t for them. So yeah. whether it's like analyzing their Instagram and, and looking at how many shares, likes, follows they get from something all the way to like finances to how much money are they making in their business? How much are they spending? And then also in their personal life, what, what decisions are they making in their personal life? So as a coach, I've noticed that when you talk, uh, more quantitative, it stresses people out. A lot of people are more likely to lean into qualitative, the emotional side. Yeah. Um, but I think too much of either is a problem. So I think like there's, you have to have balance. Why is it though that you think people, the average like general population shies because away from quantitative? I think it's because sometimes you don't want to believe what the numbers are telling you. Mm. Like I think, I think if you think about if, yeah, I mean, if you were to like be running a business and you feel like people are really liking your product, but you're not making money on it, then you don't have a business. So I think that's that's the problem. Like people want to feel like I don't know, they're healthy. Let's, let's bring it back to that. But then when they actually get their blood work done and they see, oh shit, like I'm lacking in all these nutrients, but I look fine. I feel fine. Well, like you don't want to face the truth that you actually have to change some habits. It's the same thing for running a business or trying to accomplish Whatever it that is, applies directly to me because when my stomach was like really messed up, I didn't want to believe that having a couple of drinks every weekend or eating a little bit off of not cooking at home pretty much like that's yeah. I knew I had to sacrifice more than the average person. And in my head, I was like, I look fine. I'm still competitive. Yeah, I mean, I think and I would make up all these stories in my head. And like, that's not, not just me. There's so many people out there that. I don't want to pick on anyone specifically, but there's been people close to my life that are like, either I want to get in more shape or I want to make more money. And then I literally witness them do the exact opposite action of what they should be taking for those goals why, that they have. And I think, why is that? And I think ego is part of it, but it's also people don't want to change. Like, ultimately, we don't want to change. We want to feel like what we're doing because it's comfortable is the right thing. But then we have to take a step back and be like, okay. This data, maybe it's how you're feeling, maybe it's how your numbers are, maybe whatever it is, is telling you that whatever you're doing is not working towards whatever you're trying to achieve. So you have to do something different. And I think that's the hard part for people to grasp. Yeah, it's it's just not taught. Like, So how do you, I guess, for you as kind of a business coach, and you say you work with clients helping them to look at the data, how do you do it in a way that's not overwhelming? And how do you suggest people do that in a way that's not overwhelming, especially if they're the type that hasn't even, like, say you're working with somebody that hasn't 
peeled back the layers of the information that they need to be analyzing. And all of a sudden, you're telling them, you got to be looking at customer acquisition, lifetime value, all these things. And they're like overwhelmed because they're like, oh, my God, this is too much. How do you go about it in a way that's that's manageable? So, I mean, I used to fail at this, like, but I think the key to any relationship is always meeting people where they're at, especially in business. So it's it's more so I'm asking questions to figure out where they are at at this point in why they are making the decisions that they are making. Because if you take a step into the world of like, why would somebody hire me in the first place to consult for them? It's they have some problem that they feel like they need help solving. The truth is at the end of the day, like I'm no better than anybody else that I'm, that I'm helping. It's when you're working on your business, you just have blind spots because one, if you're an individual, like there's just a lot going on and like you don't have the time of day to like really look at under the hood. Yeah. You only know what you know. I mean, that, that, that's the same thing for like a corporation, regardless of the size of the company, whether you're you're a solopreneur running a business or you work in a Fortune 500 corporation like like I do in my job. I mean, there's things that if we didn't look at the data and take the time to understand, like you would just never know. So I think. But you point, just mentioned like this is the thing. Like you just mentioned take the time. Like a lot of the people that I coach when you're in entrepreneurship, you always feel like you're pressed for time. Like you, how can I slow down when well, my business depends on me? I think it's, I think it's switching me. the mindset that if I invest the time to understand this, I'm going to save myself time in the future because I'm not going to continue yes, down a path. That's the general, not... per, the general p- person doesn't think like that though. Well, that's what I'm saying. You have to get people to change their mindset around what it takes to look at the data beneath the surface and, and to answer your question that you asked me it's it's meeting them where they're at so it's literally starting small yeah starting at the lowest common denominator so it's i mean i'll give it a, a, a very easy example so like if we're talking marketing most people stick to one platform and it's the platform that they were most comfortable you're with. talking about like when you say marketing social marketing media. can mean a lot of things okay yeah social media or even like it can it can mean events if it's events, they stick to the event that they are comfortable hosting rather than taking a step back and being like, well, what did you gather from that event? Did you get emails? Did you did anyone reach out to you after the event? Did you get phone numbers? Did you get t- t- testimonials? Like there's certain things that you should be tracking while you're marketing. So if it's not events, it's a lot of people tend well, to let that, me finish. Okay, a lot of people tend to go towards Instagram. That was the hot thing for the past decade, right? But most of them, their clients, let's say, who are in the corporate world, let's say you're fitness, right? You're a personal trainer or a coach. Most of the people that have the money to lose weight are probably on LinkedIn. And they're looking to trust somebody in an environment that can communicate to them in a way that they're used to being communicated towards. Instagram, however, is more of like what I would call a highlight reel. And a lot of like coaches and trainers and entrepreneurs, they're posting things that will impress other coaches and other trainers rather than communicate their message to the end consumer. So it's a very easy example where 
the end consumer, what they're really looking for is not me as a coach posting my abs. They're looking for me to be posting education around other people that look like them, act like them, talk like them, have the same job as them. And those people have been helped by my service or my product so that they can relate to them. And you need to understand as the entrepreneur or the business owner that you need to be on whatever platforms are one, have a saturation of your target customer and two, have the ability to communicate that message message clearly so that they can understand on the other end of whatever you're marketing or whatever you're doing. And that would be one of the examples that yeah, I think I would go through with anybody that I would I would work with because that's a main struggle point is just like marketing sales is always one of the top problems. But one of the things that I think this brings up is that I would add to that is having the objective, like understanding your objective. If you're going to run an event, what is the objective of the event? And then you can think about what data did you collect from it? But I think even as it goes to like a marketing strategy in general, like what is the purpose of whatever content you're putting out? So that's a great example. So if we're talking newbie entrepreneur, newbie event host, and I wouldn't come at them with everything that I just said. I would right. say, look, the first goal of any event is to get people to show up. That's our Why? first metric. Why do you want people to show Be up? Because then we can talk to them. We can talk to the people. Why'd you show up? Who do you know? What problems do you have that we can help so you solve? So key thing here is you didn't even, which I, I agree with, is not it's, it's not for your business. You're trying to just understand the person that showed up so that you can serve them. Yep. I think a lot of people don't do that. And that, I mean, you just hit that. You, if you do, if you follow that one equation, if you collect that data point, you will thrive in life anywhere. What happens when people show up for different reasons? What do you do? Then as a business owner, you get to be selfish. You get to figure out, well, who is the person that I want to serve the most? Yep. So if they show up for five different reasons, pick the one that you love. And if you can collect more data to say that this is a problem that more people have, and this is the problem I want to solve selfishly. Yeah, I was going to say, how would you go about knowing which problem you would love to solve? How do you collect data uh, on that? You can't sleep at night. I mean, that's, that's, that's how I would go about it. If, if you, a great example, I, I said it before on this podcast, I got off a plane today, right? Within an hour, I had to go drive and then hook up the mobile sauna to my truck and, and go put it back in its place. Not once in my head am I thinking like, ah, like I got to go do this. Like this sucks. Like, but there's been other times where I've like had to go do something and I'm like, ah, I really don't want to do this. This is a drag. So when so you feel resistance. like, yeah, when you feel that resistance, you know, that's not a problem to solve versus in my head, I'm like, damn, we just ran an event when I wasn't there. I'm going to go put the sauna back and then like mark it which I did, if you saw, like I, I literally just documented me hooking the trailer up and getting the help from the business owner that rented the sauna and then posted a video on like, hey, we just finished up this event. The sauna's back at its spot. If there's anybody else out there that, that would love to rent, rent the sauna, like reach out to us, right? So anytime I felt resistance, and this is the thing, this is what trips a lot of people up. You have to do a lot and start feeling resistance. Like most people stay in the in the lane of like, 
I don't know what I want to do, and I'm just not going to try anything. And then they, they'd rather so complain. So say, say you're getting that resistance feeling or you're getting data, emotion, that whatever you're doing is not working. What, uh, let's, let's stick to the business example for now. You're running a small business, whatever. You're, whatever you're doing to market that business, to grow that business, is not working, i.e. you are not growing the business. How do you know? Like, at, is it just, like, the plateau where you're like, this isn't, this resistance I'm feeling cannot sustain? Like, I don't want to feel this anymore? Like, how do you switch gears then? All right, you're going to have to rearticulate this question after I ask this. Is this me or is this somebody I'm working with? When I say you, I just mean how would you help somebody decide how to switch gears? How to pivot like their business? No, like how to know that what they're doing isn't working, like that resistance that they feel. Like say say you did have resistance. I mean, I'm I'm a big believer away. in if things aren't working, there's resistance. So as a coach, I then need to pry into I would say more qualitative data. So in the past, it's just like, look, you didn't make it a lot like this was a great month, this one month. So let's just, January was a great month. Yeah. John Doe, March sucked. Why? Like, is it, do you not want to do this business anymore? Is it, did you have personal things come up? Um, were you sick? Were you like, so at these days, I'm pretty good like at picking those that up really quickly. In the past, it, I would, it would kind of like, I wouldn't, and this is, this is growing as an individual is I'm a lot more direct. I've gotten a lot more confident and I won't, I view it as like, Ooh, I'm not here good, for you to like me. I'm here question. for you to do well. And sometimes I have to ask you questions that you don't want to answer, but that'll tell me the sign so that I can then go back to the drawing board and help you get to the next level. Even if it means that you're going to not like me in that moment. How do you know when something's not working because you're not invested in it versus it's the wrong thing? Like, and it's not a causal relationship. Like, you get what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, I'm like, isn't that the same thing? No. If you don't like it, you're not going to be invested in it. No, like, what I'm saying is, say say you're struggling with your business, and you also feel sort of resistance to it, but how do you know that, like, it's not working because maybe you're just not that into it versus it's not working because something in the because business the is broken. And the market, yeah. I mean, if you're working 12-hour days and you're loving it and you're still not making a ton of money, <laughs> that should probably yeah, tell you. Like, it's the starving artist model. They they love their art, yeah, right? But they're not making money. But that's not because they're not – that doesn't mean that they're not necessarily good at art. That just means that they never – Figured out the business. Figured out the business side. Yeah, agreed. That's it. So it's – what I would say is if you're listening to this, it's a lot easier to teach the business side. It's a lot harder for me to teach the discipline and the showing up every day and the consistency. Like I cannot do that. And that's why I strive to only work with people who have shown me that they do that year over year over year. And those are the best people to work with because even if you go a little bit in the wrong direction 
a couple degrees, because they work so hard, it's easy to bring the ship back. Now, I want to give you a visual, and this is why data is so important. You need to be tracking things. If you were to take a ship and you change the degrees just by like one degree, say you're in the ocean, you change it one degree to the left, and you go for a couple of days, you're hundreds of miles away from where you actually intended to be just by going like one degree to the left or one degree to the right. So a great example in business is like, no matter who you are, you're probably looking at traffic to your website, to your podcast, to your product sales. You need to understand month over month the fluctuations and what you did that month. And that comes again with tracking data. Now, I'm going to flip this. If you yeah. don't have a business, go back to the health side. Like a great example for me is I got COVID, right? My whoop and aura told me I had COVID prior to me having COVID. How cool is that? Now I'm like, wow, what else could this tell me? If my heart rate stays elevated, so like let's say I make it to, to 80, who knows what, or, or above and beyond. I'm blessed to make it to that. And there's technology that will be able to tell you months in advance of a heart attack. I'm, I, that's where we're at at yeah, this point. Yeah, totally But agree. if you're not... I think that's where it goes. But, that, but I think people... Well, the way I view the market for that type of data right now is that it's, it's only the curious optimizer that really wants it or it's the sick person whose doctor's telling them they need it. So how do we get everyone to understand that having this information is going to make your life easier? I think that's marketing in itself. We have to, like... This industry has to come up with a way to help, and I think Whoop's doing a good job, to make it fun, make it a game, make it about this is, I'm improving my life, but you have to see the tangible benefits. And I think HRV, You don't have to variability. see the tangible benefits. If we go back to the very beginning of the podcast, people do things based on pain and emotion. They will not change until they are in enough pain where they feel something. They feel some type of connection where it's like, I have to do this. I, I, I need to do this or I'm going to die trying. I like, think it's people need immediate feedback. And that. It doesn't come. That, that's so, it's so like immediate feedback on your health, right? Like if I'm trying to lose weight and I hit the gym for a month, like, I'm sorry. Like you're not going to, you're not going to go if you do it the right way. You're yeah, not going to lose it's, 30 pounds in a month. I'm of, sorry. It's lack of patience, and that leads to discouragement and inconsistency and the lack of discipline. And that's why I'm a huge advocate for heart rate variability because you can see overnight what your actions did to that score. And yet you don't, you don't have to be somebody who cares about all the details about how that, what would heart that rate score variability? is calculated and what it actually means. But if you see something that says, I'm green today, Good. Whatever I did yesterday, I need to do that again. If I'm red today, what the heck did I do yesterday? That's how we need but every what consumer is HRV, to start thinking. What is HRV in everyday life? Like, I'm saying, like, yeah, stop, what's the stop, fall, stop falling into the health trap. Like, Sorry. Well, I, yeah, I would say in everyday life, it's your finances. It's your mood. It's your no, no, no. relationships. That one right there. It's how you're feeling. When you wake up every day. Are you motivated? What's your mindset? Are you foggy brain? Like, 
I would take say away, take away in today's the technology, society, take away the technology. Yeah, I'll take away those technologies. I would say in today's society, we have conditioned ourselves to feel like feeling like shit is normal. And that is the problem, I think. I think we need to get people back to feeling so good that they realize how bad they felt before. But did humans ever feel so good? We'll never know. But I, I know what it feels but like to feel I good. Don't think, and I don't now, think so. Now I feel like when I feel bad, somebody is probably like, that's is not it, bad. Is it just part of the human existence? That's what I'm asking. Because think back 50 to 100 years. Like people were living in, in dirt. Like they, they died of diseases at younger ages. They had harder labor. Yeah, there was so if way what you're more, saying like, is there was way more this... disenfranchised people. So it's just like, is this the human existence that like, it is just well, normal for I people to wake up feeling like shit or maybe, like to not. But we're also in a time period where we're blessed to have the ability to optimize to get to continuously feel better because we can collect this data. We do have the technology. So we the word do have the awareness. The word you're looking for is curiosity. It's curiosity. It takes yeah. curiosity to lead someone to no matter whether it's health, finances. Well, how do we get everyone business? Curious? It takes curiosity to be willing to step into discomfort and learn something new and look at the data and say, I'm making a decision that's better, going to better my life. How it takes you being curious. curious. How do you get people to be curious? It's not how do we get people to be curious. It's how do we, how do we stop making people not curious? And that stems from our childhoods. We're, we are born curious. Yeah, we're like, yeah, yeah. We are born and then we curious. we get soft because we just follow the leader. And we follow what we're told to do, and we just stay in a lane and don't question things. And why do we not question things? It takes effort. And when you question things, sometimes you're viewed as an outsider or a pessimist or a conspiracy. <laughs> People don't like you. There you go. So I'm reading a book right now called Courage to be Disliked. So we're going to wrap up here and it's going to be wrapped up with these two words. So I just mentioned curious and courage. And I think it takes these two words to really thrive on life. You have to be curious enough about yourself and about your environment, like you had mentioned earlier, to start asking, is this it? Like, could, could there be more? Could I feel better? Could I feel better? Could, Could my relationships more? be better? Could I achieve more? And again, if you're the type of person that's like, I love my life. I'm happy. I don't need more money. I don't need more relationships. Great. Yeah. Right? But you still need the courage to stand up to that because people are going to come to you and be like, why don't you want more? Why don't you want this? Why don't you do that? So you're going to need the courage to stand your ground in everything that you do. And it's something that I think both you and I have really leaned into. I feel like we've always been curious, but the courage side is really where both of us have been working since we started dating a long time ago. Um, and the curiosity, I'd say. I mean, we we were always curious. I just think for us, and I think maybe this is a lot of people struggle with that as well, you, you're overwhelmed by curiosity. You want, you want too much uh, rather than like dialing in like, what do I love rather than having a hundred likes? And I think that's for us, that's what we always reflect back on the health side of things is like, 
we are so curious about this one thing because it bleeds over into all these other things. And I've had to, for me, I've, I know I've had to let go of being curious about things because I'm just like, I, I just can't overwhelm yeah. myself all the time. I've had to have the courage to say, you know what, like, I just don't have the energy or the time right now to do this. But before we wrap up, is there any other statements or questions that you want to? No, I enjoyed that talk. Yeah, so this was, I, I would say, I always wrap up with kind of like my biggest takeaway. And we are in a moment of our life where we're making some pretty big decisions and we're trying to collect data to make those decisions and make it more of a, a black and white and basically a, a more comfortable decision for us, no matter what decision we, to kind of look at it on a whiteboard and say, no matter what decision we make, we're comfortable, but which one feels the best for us in this moment? And we want to encourage other people to do that. So whether it's your health, your wealth, your relationships, we want you to take a step back after listening to this episode, get on a whiteboard, get on a journal, write it on your MacBook or your computer and start reflecting on what decisions you're making in your life and what is driving those decisions. Is it, is it reaction? Is it your emotions? Is it somebody else controlling you to make those decisions? Are you really taking your time and looking at why you're making the decisions that you're making and are those decisions making you happy? And even more important than happiness, I'm learning that that peace is really what we should all be striving for. And happiness is just peace in motion. If you've ever listened to Naval Ravikant, that's one of the famous things that he's said. If you are at peace with yourself and with your surroundings, you're ultimately just going to show up in a better way for this world. I hope you enjoyed that. I always enjoy speaking with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thrive on, everyone. Can't wait for the next one. I love you. I love all of you. Until next time, this is CJ Finley. Thrive on. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive On Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive On Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.